Hello, I'm Liz Jones. If you read my diary in the Mail on Sundays You magazine, then you'll know me and my life pretty well. But if you've always wanted to know more, this is the place for you. Welcome to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast. I'll be taking you behind the scenes of this week's column before digging back into the archives to find some of the most shocking and hilarious stories from the last 20 years. I'll be doing all this with the help of my assistant, friend and confidant, Nick. Hello. I've finally given in and I've written a response to what my ex-husband wrote about me a couple of weeks ago. I wasn't, I was just going to ignore it. I was going to rise above it. I was going to let it all go away. But then Nick came round and she said, oh yeah, well his piece went viral. And I was like, did it? Did it? And she said, oh yeah, there was a piece in the mirror and there was a piece in the sun and it went viral on Twitter Yes, but can we just point out, it only went viral because it was your name. It wasn't viral because it was him as the writer. It was viral because it involved you. Let's not give him any elevated ideas. Do no. you know what I mean? Let's, let's keep him firmly in his little box. It was because of your name. And a lot of people were saying, well, he complained about you writing about him. But A, he knew I was a columnist when we started going out. And when we got divorced, he sold this story to Grazia. His novel was based on my friends. And he's just sold another piece to the Telegraph talking about me. So even though I didn't want to lower myself, but I kind of think when you're a columnist, when when you're an award-winning newspaper columnist, and I just got my physical award today, so I'm very happy about that. There will be pictures on Twitter. So I said to the postman when he brought it, that took 40 years. Mm -hmm. And he was like... Well, we're not that bad. It did. It took 40 years to arrive. I'm surprised the postman just doesn't walk up to you like what I do and go, it's not my fault. It's not my fault. I hate people who say that. It's not my fault, though. I hate people who say that. It really, really annoys me because it is your fault. It's not my fault, though. So I browbeat the postman because <laughs> he took 40 years to bring my columnist of the year award. But when you are a newspaper columnist, I feel it is your duty to your readers to deal with the difficult things in your life. So I've dealt with it, and that is this Sunday's column, and I'm now going to read from it. And, Nicky, you just tell me what you think at any point. Just, just uh, Rosie's going to have to, like, edit everything out, isn't it, if I tell you what I think it's going to be. What a beep. What a bloody beep. Because... Yeah, go on then. Go on, let's hear it. So the heading is, in which I put my ex-husband straight. In the box, yes. So I was on a terrace overlooking Windermere with my friend Isabel for her birthday. And I was slightly thinking, looking at the view, I had my dogs with me. I was slightly feeling content. I wasn't happy because, you know, I have the disease... Well, you can't be happy. But But I was slightly, my brain wasn't fizzing with worry and anxiety. No, we like content. That's a good move. And then my friend said, I read your ex-husband's piece in the Telegraph. Oh, dear. Uh Oh, dear. We don't bring it up, do we? We don't. We don't. See, I'm well trained. I know not to bring these things up. Oh. 
And then she said, it made you seem even more notorious because she saw my face fall. I doubted it upset you very much. Hashtag read the room. <laughs> but it did upset me. Well, it really upset you, yeah. Really I've been putting you. off responding. As to reread his piece is heart-wrenching. I thought we parted on civilised terms. Turns out he thought all along I'm an old hag who tricked him into marriage. He couldn't have put a bigger dagger in my heart. But the thing is, Liz, let's just put this he in He said context. he didn't propose. He said on our first date we didn't get on. I'm an old hag. I tricked him into marriage. It doesn't really get much worse than that. But he's obviously got memory problems, isn't he? Because he remembers you as an old hag and he remembers himself as a virile toy boy. Yes, which is why I published <laughs> in the Daily Mail a picture of me two months before we met. And I was a bit of a babe. And we've got a Wasn't picture I? of him now. Lucky We've got a picture of him now. He's Look. actually got breasts. He said our relationship was toxic, which is odd. As a while back, he wrote in the very same newspaper a piece with the headline, Why I Only Date Older Women. He wrote that when we first started dating, a 26-year-old woman his age wouldn't have been able to take him to Jamaica to stay in Ian Fleming's house, which is, and I quote, where we fell in love. You were supposed to be his wife, not his cash cow. So now... He says we didn't get on and I was an old hag. But in a piece a few months ago, he said we fell in love in Ian Fleming's house. Mm. He also wrote that he never proposed. Worst of all, that I wheeled him out as some sort of dark-skinned trophy. He brings up his abusive childhood, which, to be honest, isn't my fault. In fact, after he committed yet another act of adultery and I threatened to throw him out. He left me a note. Please don't dump me. You've given me the only secure home I've ever known. Ludicrously, until I'm angry, he writes, I increasingly wrote about his infidelity, as if that were the crime. My friend Andrea texted me and she said, oh, you, should, you increasingly wrote about his infidelity. Poor him. You should have praised him. You should have congratulated him for getting some woman to sleep with him. It's kind of like if you don't want someone to criticise your infidelity... Don't do it. Keep your dick in your pants. Don't little get married. Advice. Don't get married. A little bit of advice to men. Keep your dick in your pants if you don't want to be criticised for shagging other women. Cruelly, and he actually was very cruel. While he makes much of his own depression, he belittles my struggles with anorexia, calling me the toughest woman I've ever encountered. Well, actually, the thing about eating disorders, and particularly anorexia, you are tough. You are made of steel. You have the willpower of, I mean... It's you're such a strong person to be able to do that to yourself. But also, you're tough because you are in a really tough industry. You've you worked. Yeah, your way and up I to wasn't nothing. just having to deal with my own workload. I was Sisyphus, pushing a boulder up a mountain. Yeah, yeah. That's what it was trying to motivate him. I'm really angry now. He was always teasing me. He was always teasing me about being older than him. 
I confessed before we married to having shaved five years off my age. But his constant slights wore me down. Don't break a hip. He was always saying, don't break a hip. He was always saying, come on, old lady, come on, old lady. I never once berated him when we were together for his morbid obesity. Instead, <laughs> I hired him a personal kickboxing trainer, the same personal kickboxing trainer who trained Jolly Neely Miller. I'd like, I'd like that. Can I have that? And I bought him a bicycle, which makes this line puzzling. Her shabby flaunting of a brown and virile toy boy. Virile? Yeah. He spent every day looking at porn. We never had sex. Very, very rarely. We had nine months without sex. Yeah. I'm afraid that's not why I And I'd actually, have a toy boy. do you really want to have sex with someone who's morbidly obese? Not particularly, thank you very much. When we first met, I found his pursuit of me attractive. He was well-read, intelligent, funny. He wanted to be a writer, so I agreed he could give up his career at the BBC. I didn't exactly find him in a Delhi slum. And he spent years writing his first book. I got him an agent. I gave him a column about new technology in my newspaper, despite the fact he'd never changed a plug. I introduced him to newspaper editors and famous authors, Zadie Smith, I introduced him to Zadie Smith, I introduced him to the editor of the Sunday Times. He complains I took money writing about him. But when I finally filed for divorce, he cheated on me with another woman in India. What a charmer. He sold his story to Grazia magazine. His novel was largely based on a New Year's Eve party in the Cotswolds I took him to. It was stuffed with Booker-nominated authors, literary agents and beautiful women. Conversely, he was jealous of my career. When I was panicking one day that I had 20 minutes to file 2,000 words on skinny models for the Daily Mail, his response was, oh, just tell them to F off. That would fund his addiction to takeaway curries, wouldn't it? And that's why he's not successful, isn't yeah. it? Let's face it. When I was sacked from Marie Claire, even that didn't spur him on to get a job. I showered him with gifts, which he now writes they were unwanted. Great. Just drop off the Rolex that I bought. It was a vintage Rolex made in the year he was born. Just drop it off at the reception of the mail on Sunday and I'll come and get it. Can we just say that men can say no too? No is an appropriate word. If you don't want a gift, say thank you, I bought no. him. I bought him an Apple laptop so that he could write his novel on it and he said it was too small. <laughs> so did you say the same about him? <laughs> Crucially in his piece, there's no self-awareness. He says he had, apparently... Beauty, vigour, eagerness to please. My God. When he had new friends round to my beautiful house, he didn't even introduce me, he just ignored me. I was like a piece of the furniture. That's terrible. That's so rude. Ah, the beautiful house. I'll just shut him in the cellar. He says he deserved half plus 
alimony because he struggled financially ever since we got divorced. Yeah, no surprise there. That's because he's got no talent. I don't know how rich he thinks I was, given I've been declared bankrupt. I had an interest-only million-pound mortgage. He bought not one stick of furniture. He put not one pound towards the deposit. I played for our wedding bands, his suit, the honeymoon. Oh, and he did propose. I want to be tied to you, chubby, he said. And if he never loved me, isn't he the fraud? As one of my fans tweeted, it's not the Hotel California. You can leave. <laughs> exactly. And if he felt exploited dating a white woman, that's me. You know, I went to a high school. I once played netball. Why cheat on me with a succession of white woman after white woman after white woman? But don't be racist. No, he's playing the race card. Yeah. Don't. Why has he written this piece now? Is he wounded by the fact I've just been made columnist of the year? Shocked. I dig out a photo taken a month before we met. I look young. I look fantastic. Why did I value myself so little I didn't demand a modicum of respect? He will never meet anyone funnier, more generous and kind than me. No, well, he hasn't, has he? And hot. He hasn't, has he? Oh, I want to be a dad. And you can never give that to me. He's not had a child. You've had your opportunity. You've had 20 years. Maybe his virility's a problem. Oh, and that car I gave you? You needed to learn to open the bonnet and put oil in it, you lazy fat bastard. Not leave it like our relationship to rot and rust by the side of the road. I think that's, that's an award-winning column. That's gone in my file on my desktop. For next year's award, f off. <laughs> and that is him firmly back in his Back in place. your box. Don't take on me. Don't take on me, the best writer in the country. Do not accuse me of things. I am not Harvey Weinstein. I'm not bald and I don't have stubble. Well, I do at the moment because I need to go to the spa. Bye bye, nerds. I think my, I think my carpenter is in the house at the moment. He's a he bit is. scared. He is. I think he's run away. He is. Anyone that would see you would be a bit scared because you're looking very angry. You're throwing paper. He should be scared. It's all right, Minnie. We're not cross with you. <laughs> We're not cross with you, Minnie. <laughs> How's your week been, that? Well, you know, I was taking Mummy Beb to Tom Jones. Yes. I did. We went to Tom Jones, who was fantastic. He kept you... I have two things to say here. He kept you waiting for hours. He did. And he was sort of dressed in double denim. I think he should have dressed up. He, well, he should have, it should have been a bit more visible because it was dark. The stage was black and he was wearing black. So it was kind of like, you know, but... It's he should have done a he should have done a David Cassidy who wore when I saw him at White City. Oh, David Cassidy. He wore a white spangled all-in-one jumpsuit. Well he does on the voice sometimes, doesn't he? It can be very glittery and that on the voice. I was expecting something a bit more jazzy. Yeah. But it was cold. He was dressed for the weather. But anyway, my mum. My mum. Let's talk about mum. Well, she's Bell. standing up dancing. She was. 
But it's like taking Catherine Tate's granny. You know, like, I'm a bit Lauren-like. Am I bothered? You know what yeah. I mean? She's the Not granny. my fault. Not my fault, though. Not my fault. She is the granny. I mean, we got down. She sat there. The arms crossed. The face puckered. This man come and sat down in front of us. So she nudged me. It's like Ross Kemp's sitting. Have you seen the size of him? Have you seen the size of him? It's like Ross bloody Kemp. Can't he move? Does she, she have to sit him? there? Well, no, I was stopping. I was slapping her finger down. She's going, can't he? I'm going, shut up, Mum. Shut up, Mum. We're four rows back. These tickets are very expensive. He's entitled to sit there. Swap with me. I don't want to swap with you. Couldn't she just stand up? Well, should we, well that's another that's a whole Maybe your mum story. could have gone on your shoulders. You know, well, like those awful girlfriends who go on their boyfriend's well, the shoulders. Stand, the standing up is a whole other story. <laughs> Only you and your mum could have a fight in the Tom Jones It was nearly concert. a fight. And then, what I don't understand about people going to a concert, why is everybody watching it through their phone? Put your bloody phones away and watch the concert. I don't want to pay all that money for a ticket and watch no, it through you your were, phone. No, but you were tweeting constantly. Don't give me that. No, I did. I took pictures and stuff. But these people are literally filming the whole thing, standing in front of me. So I'm watching Tom Jones through their phone. So it was almost at the point where we were going to have a fight. We Literally, it was like going out with my mum is never boring. Bless her. And I am in reality TV heaven. Married at heaven. No, but married at first, this is a crucial thing, married crucial. at first sight UK have imported the Australian expert Fantastic. and they're following the blueprint of having dinner parties and all that kind of stuff. But there's no Nigel. There's Why no... didn't they import Nigel? No, I did, I did know there was no Nigel and I felt very sorry for you when the photographers Because they up. could have imported Nigel they and then could I could have, have had him. They... <laughs> Literally, you could have had him given half a chance, love. But what's this new word, situationship? What is it about these programs inventing new things? Love Island, but also that awful Filipino girl. Awful. She calls her lovely husband with his lovely green eyes. She calls him a knacker. What's a, what's that word? I don't know, but I wouldn't kick him out. I mean, he's very cute, isn't he? I, I don't think they match them very well because they'd match someone else. She doesn't want children and he does. Well, surely that's the fundamental. But why, what makes me laugh is the, the women are pretty awful mostly, aren't they? It's the men are really nice. and I mean, it's the same as the Australian one. But the men are crying. The women are mad. The women are being horrible and the men are crying. Get a grip. I'm sorry. I'm all for touchy-feely There was men, a very funny but... comment on Twitter where this woman, I think she's a veterinary nurse, is criticising her husband, that he's not handsome enough and he doesn't have big enough thighs, he doesn't what dress mean? very well. But mean? she's got grey eyebrows. Her eyebrows are grey. So he doesn't say, well, actually, you've got really weird grey eyebrows. And I know I've just criticised my husband, but he deserves it. But he doesn't... She criticises him, but they don't really criticise the women, do no, they? And, and they're really nice. Cause, but don't cry, lads, because the girl, they're not worth it. You've only just met them. You're not in love. It's not a relationship. You've only just met them. They're not worth your tears. No. So, and Celebrity SAS. But why wasn't I asked on that? Have you seen the state I of Ulrika? I so want you on that. My my best moment as Celebrity SAS, and this is this is Yeah, but if going. they made me fall out of a helicopter into the cold water, I'd be going, 
what about my hearing aids? Because you're not what? supposed to get them wet, you see. No, what you'd be doing is going, Nick! 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 <laughs> They're making me jump out of a helicopter Nick! in my hearing aids. My favourite bit, though, was Arika Johnson, who's this nice, polite, sort of bit demure woman, saying... I've got a chilly minge when they went to the loo. I I cried. I, I didn't hear that. It was, she was holding hands with Kerry Katona in, in the toilets. And she just come out with this and I cried. It was so unexpected because it's just, it's the sort of thing I'd say, isn't it? Yeah. I didn't expect it from Ulrika Johnson. And it's because she's Swedish, like, I think. Uh, I want you on there so bad. I want you on there Every so bad. Every year I try and get on there, don't I? I'm wondering if you could make Ant cry. Like, because it's a big, tough man, but I think you're tougher. They would <laughs> never have encountered me. I could be in the SAS. You could. But what I like about these two programmes is they're much more real, aren't they, than something like Love Island. You've got yeah. real... No, Married at First Sight is much better than Love much Island. Much better. You've got that beautiful, curvy, blonde girl. You've got, you know, you've got people that aren't stereotypically beautiful, but are beautiful... And the same with Celebrity SAS. You've got all different ages, different... My favourite man on Married at First Sight UK is the army guy because he's got the small blue eyes that I like. Yeah. Did you bit... like him? I quite liked him. I'm a he's bit, a bit concerned. old for you. I th- he's too old for me, but I think he's a bit... I think he could be a bit sexist for me. Yeah. I do. I but think I think he's... she wanted someone slightly sexist. No, I like the one is that got married last night. Is it slightly sexist to say... I'm going to change a light bulb. It's not. It's just helpful. No, but it was kind of a bit women sort of cooking in the kitchen and stuff. I think he was I mean? joking. It didn't quite work. Yeah, it didn't work. But but the one that got married last night, the one that married the spiritual woman, oh, yes, yes, please, deliver him to my no, room. No, he was a bird. Deliver him to my room naked. I don't want to talk to him. No, I didn't, like it. I didn't like his hair. Talking to him isn't the issue. So... <laughs> So that's my week. It's been all reality TV and controlling my mother. You can read this week's diary in full on the Man on Sunday's You magazine. Well, I'm like Gracie with a Kong. I'm not going to let go You're not. of my ex-husband from my hands around his throat. Do it, do it. So we're going to now go to the archive. Da, da, da. June 2007. You need, like, the voice. June, June 2007. 2007. Yeah. This is, a re- this is a revenge piece. You need to, like, give it gravitas. The heading for this column, in which I email the cow trollop baggage. Uh, 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 I did. Well, we're going to love this one, ladies. I emailed her and I found out her name and I emailed her. And do you know what she did? She didn't apologise for sleeping with my husband. She emailed my editor and made a complaint about me. That's just like, that's just... She? Not playing the game. It's not. If you email me personally, I'll tell you her name. She, the cow trollop baggage, complained to my editor about me. You don't shag someone's husband and then put in a complaint to someone's boss. No, you cow trollop baggage. Is this the low-headed forehead? Eh? Is this the woman of the low forehead? Low forehead. Yeah. Never trust the woman with a low forehead. You've got to have a really open, lovely, open face. Not a Neanderthal low forehead. (laughs) And so it begins. 
So this column is part two of the column where I spent £26,000 taking my husband to an island off Africa. I warned him before we went that if he spoiled my holiday, he'd have to give me the money back and he hasn't. So leave the money in the same envelope you drop the Rolex off at the mail on Sunday and it will be perfectly safe. So you owe me £13,000. You cheating bastard. I spent, after he told me he cheated and I banished him, I spent the rest of the two weeks on the island off the coast of East Africa in shock. I couldn't quite believe he had gone. I'm surprised the little plane took off because he was so heavy. <clears throat> that it was all finally over. Yeah. I expected him to call me, but the only text I got was a terse, the cats are fine. I kept going over everything he told me. I asked him why he behaved so oddly and childishly on holiday, and he said, because as soon as we go somewhere, you clam up. Look at when I was in the bar talking to some woman called Stacey. You didn't say a word. The reason I never say anything in social situations is because I can't hear, especially if it's someone I don't know well or they aren't right next to me. My friend P.A. Kerry knows this and she translates as we go along. That my husband failed to notice I'm deaf after seven years just about sums up our miscommunication. I would like to say I was happy and relieved after he left and I spent the time frolicking in the surf, but instead I felt deflated and rejected. I felt frustrated at not being able to be proactive while he was in my house packing his horrible boy things. And so I did two things. I contacted my solicitor and asked her to write to him, telling him I was divorcing him on the grounds of adultery again and giving him a deadline to move out. And I found the email address of the woman he slept with at the Mumbai Literary Festival with a low forehead. And I wrote to her. I told her my husband had said she came on to him, so it was all her fault. Despite knowing he was married and that they had sex without a condom. Why would he tell me that? Why would he stick the knife in and wiggle it around by saying he had sex without a condom? It's absolutely disgusting. No, it's, it's an arsehole. It was all my husband's fault, but I do believe that women who sleep with married men are nothing better than trollops. I've since found out she has a boyfriend, and therefore she's a cheating, whore, baggage, cow-type person. Trollop. I couldn't wait to get home. When I unlocked my front door and was able to do a quick head count of the cats and saw our joint credit card, which I paid for, it wasn't really joint, cut up on the table... There was no note, not even an I'm sorry after oh, seven years. How dramatic, leaving it cut up. Oh, twat. What a twat. I felt relieved, but I couldn't help feel it had all been for nothing. That I had tried so hard and been so nice and supportive and patient and generous. And still I had the word reject stamped on my very smooth forehead. Better than what's stamped on, is it? My cleaner, H, who I'm still in touch with and we're still really good friends... Lovely rang touch. me and told me he'd done some strange things before he left because I rang her from Africa and said, I said, go round and spy on him, go round and spy on him. So she did. Like what, I asked her. What did he do? He took your car to be valeted and he changed the bed. Blimey, that's the first. 
and at that moment a small part of me thought he might have changed his mind, that he wanted me to forgive him. But I can't. I don't know how he felt he had to tell me he slept with the cow trollop baggage, but at least the image I keep playing in my head of him kissing someone young prevents me from phoning him and asking him to come back. It's weird to be on your own, but the oddest thing is I don't really miss him. He'd become so distant. I had some good news last week, a business thing, and I automatically reached in my bag to phone him. And then I realised I don't have anyone to tell things to anymore. Sorry, I'm getting a bit upset. I heard from a mutual friend, I think it was his best man, he quite fancied me, that he had moved to a bedsit in Shoreditch and that his mum was sure it was all for the best. And I thought she liked me. She actually liked me more than she liked her son. Mums are always duplicitous, always, always. And apparently, according to his friend, he was wondering when he would meet someone new. He'd only been moved out a week. Well, I'm not being funny, Liz. He was doing it while you were married. What, what, what's moving out got to do with it? Well, why do these mi- women want to have sex with someone who's morbidly obese? Why? Why? Or married. They can always get women, can't they? The most ugly, bald, toothless men who live in a hostel, got no money, can always get a woman because they're cow trollop baggages. Yeah, I don't get it, actually. I think my carpenter's getting a bit scared. <laughs> so, right, David, we love you. I felt sad and bit bitter and angry. He must miss the cats at least, mustn't he? He loves mm. cats. He loves sweetie. I have nothing to do for the next six million weekends. All my girlfriends are married or have living boyfriends. They're bastards. I lost so many friends because they couldn't stand my husband. They hated him. They hated him. And now I'm pr- too proud to go begging for their forgiveness. Things can only get better. They didn't. Well, they I'm still angry and bitter. You're still angry and bitter, but you're columnist of the year, angry and bitter. Yes, I've just got they my got award. Better. They got I better. I got my award in the post this morning. Yeah, they got better, you see. So sorry to interrupt, Liz, but we have a very important announcement that might just interest your listeners. There's another Mail on Sunday podcast and it could change your life. It's called Medical Minefield. Yes, where we talk about the ethical dilemmas at the heart of the health stories that matter the most. And that's with me, Barney Kalman, the Mail on Sunday's health editor. And me, Eve Simmons, the deputy health editor. Find us at mailplus.co.uk. Every week, lots of you get in touch telling me what you think about my life and my decisions. So I think it's only fair that you get to have your say here on the podcast too. If you'd like to get in touch, then go to lizjonesgoddess.com or tweet me at lizjonesgoddess. fans now. Our readers are lovely. Well, your readers are lovely and our listeners are lovely. Um, we had lots of lots of um, emails um, this week. Lots and lots. So lots of support for your um, the stuff you've written and we have Emma who says, hi Liz and Nick, just listen to the latest podcast. Your podcast is the absolute only one to listen to. It's the best. 
So she's favourite. Is it better than Megan's? It was better than Oprah's, remember? Remember it was better than Oprah's? Yeah, but I do base myself on Megan. (laughs) She's just a shadow of you, dear. Um, My ex was an absolute example of this podcast. He was a groomer. He chatted up anyone to get what he wanted. I didn't see it soon enough, but when it did, God, it was obvious. He used his charisma, charm and confidence to use people and reel them in. He wasn't even the best looking. I feel women like the Love Islanders get a bad hand in the media. Everyone is beautiful, but we all have things we hate about themselves. Women need to be kind to each other because men in the media are not going to do it for us. You're both so beautiful. Keep doing what you're doing because I live for this podcast. Absolutely oh, we true. Love her. We she love can join her. our lovely club. Can't we she? love her. She's in the love. We love her club. But it's true, isn't it? How do they? How do they reel them in? These men. You know, she's saying it's not the best looking. It, it's they've got this confidence which is attractive. It's like the, the, I know you still haven't watched Sex and the City, which is actually a sackable offence. But there's an episode where Miranda, who's a hotshot lawyer, yeah, splits up with her boyfriend, who's homeless, and he gets the new girlfriend straight away. Yeah. And she says, "How does a man who's homeless with no job and no money, Steve, yeah, not particularly good looking, gets a?" A new woman straight away. How is it possible? And what happened to the years you've spent together? Surely, grieve a little bit, you bastard. Yeah. Just a little bit. Or he's been out to. a week and his pretend best to. man told me he was already wondering when he was going to meet someone new. Wants someone else to wash his pants, that's why. Cook oh. his dinner. Do you know what I mean? Make life easier, buy him a Rolex. My cleaner hated him because the cleaner knows everything. My cleaner age. My cleaner used to bring me... Halloumi and Greek bread and tomatoes. She'd go to the flower market on a Sunday. She'd bring me flowers. She hated him. Cleaners know everything. They're like your GP. They're sworn to secrecy. Can't repeat it, but they know everything. So we've also got Sue Johnson who said... Just wanted to say, I support your views on the rescue of the animals in Afghanistan. Yes. Those pr- poor creatures deserve compassion and love as much as any. And Penfarthing's work in a country torn apart by evil and war was amazing. As if his staff were uh, asked, they would tell of the joy he brought to the country full of despair. Reading today in the mail the stories of those touched by animals in a time of war and upheaval, people should realise the joy and help the, uh, the animals. No animal created war, no exactly, and evil, and should be celebrated for their healing abilities. I applaud you to having the guts to say these things in a world gone mad where people are unable to voice their opinions. But even Kirsty Allsop said, I love my dog, but I don't think animals should have been brought out of Kabul ahead of people. I wanted to just go and strangle her with some of her bloody wool from her craft desk. No, I really want to strangle her. And she's talking absolute, utter BS anyway. She was going on about animals not being in the car. People can travel in the cargo. No, they can't. Uh, uh, They don't take the plane off of the ground. But he had space for Afghanistan people. But... The, the Taliban wouldn't let them on no. the planes. It wasn't his fault. No. And his staff should have been on the bloody yeah. plane. So, Kirsty also, and anyone that thinks that the animals shouldn't be rescued, you're not on a, a love But list. I wrote, because I was called all sorts of things on Twitter, I was called a psychopath for wanting the dogs to be rescued and the cats. And I was very supportive of Penn and all that he does. Um, my main points that I wrote about in the Daily Mail was... First of all, look at what animals give us. Yeah. Pen, there was 
a, a British soldier who died in Afghanistan and he had a support dog that he'd rescued. Yeah. Penn got that dog and he sent the dog to the soldier's parents. So they at least had his dog who'd been with him in Afghanistan. Yeah. Look at all the dogs who sniff out explosives, people who were trapped under rubble. They were companions to yeah. soldiers in Afghanistan. If you want to judge animals by what they do for us, which I don't, there's no contest. We've got another letter. Oh, go on then. We've got another letter. We have... I'm not I'm not passing on this letter. This is my favourite letter. Did your mum write this letter? No, Anne wrote this Did letter. Did you hold her hand on the pen and make her no, write here? This is, we're not... Don't even try and bypass this letter. This is my favourite letter from Anne, the lovely, lovely Anne, who says, Hi, Nick, I hope you're well and happy. I'm enjoying the podcast and reading the article each Sunday. I'm also... Which I write. That you, which you write. That you, I'm often the inspiration. I'm the wind beneath your wings. Um, I'm also of the mind that you deserve a podcast of your own. I get so much energy and focus from you. You're Have one on your own. Why don't you, Nick, go and do a podcast with Bryony? Oh, God. Matt Haig. Or Matt Haig. Because you're obviously <laughs> a better suited to Bryony and Matt Haig who aren't as angry and bitter as I am. Will they pay more? That's the question. She says you're, you're Not my, possible. <laughs> you're my girl crush. I can't help it. You're hilarious and my number one choice of entertainment. I love you, Anne. You cheer me up no end. I love you. Well, that's it from us this week. If you enjoyed listening to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast, why not visit mailplus.co.uk forward slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces and more. I'll be back next Sunday, but for now, I'm Liz Jones. And I'm Nick. Goodbye. Goodbye.